whilst Christmas might feel like a distant memory now, you'll have heard the annual warnings about burglaries over the festive period, a time when expensive, freshly opened gadgets are ripe for the taking. But how can virtual reality play a part in defending us and our gifts from this centuries-old crime? This is Life Solved, the research podcast from the University of Portsmouth, where we explore how breakthroughs here are changing our world today and in the future. This time, with 192,000 burglaries reported in England and Wales between 2021 and 2022, it isn't just about an individual losing a particular item, it's the impact on their overall sense of safety and security in their own home. Matthew Tolbert is a researcher in the Department of Psychology at the University of Portsmouth. I think it's an important part of our training that we do make people aware that, yeah, burglars, they have a lot of experience in this. They are processing a lot of information and they can commit burglaries quite effectively and efficiently. There does maybe need to be a bit more of like a conscious change in behaviour by everyone, really, to help prevent burglaries. Matthew is leading the way in using the digital world to fight against burglaries, using technology to fight a very analogue crime. You'll have heard of psychology before, and you'll have come across forensics. But forensic psychology might be a new one to you. If you've been binging episodes of Mindhunter on Netflix over the Christmas break, you might have already got a good idea. If not, Matthew's here to explain. I think like any kind of media, especially where psychology is involved, there's always a little bit of dramatisation of the field. We're not going out there and being able to completely guess who a killer is from one clue on a crime scene. But there are people out there, forensic psychologists out there, who do work in that field of creating identities and knowledge about a criminal based on their behaviours. You've got people that work directly with the police, the very kind of stereotypical view that you might have of someone who formulates a identity of a criminal based on the information that's available to them. You've got people that work directly in prisons with criminals rehabilitation or understanding why they might have committed a crime. You've got people like myself working with prevention and potential victims of burglary. You've got people who work directly with victims of crimes who may want to support them, help them after the fact, these kind of things. So it's a whole range, basically. Different. There's loads of different stages of any kind of criminal process. And I think a forensic psychologist is just anyone, broadly speaking, that works within those stages. Matthew is currently focusing on the Virtual Burglary Project at the University of Portsmouth. The research will hopefully give us an idea on why burglars commit the crime, how they scout for suitable homes, and what they do after they've struck. Not that we haven't grasped some of the basics already. Novices, I think, in general, would understand about how a burglar works in terms of making sure you lock up your house and uh, making sure you don't have objects in, in clear view. These kind of more obvious things. But I do find there's a maybe a slightly deeper level that burglars operate on. They're very good at what they do and they can process a lot of cues at once. They can process cues quite automatically and quite efficiently. And this leads to quite a deeper level of processing of the neighbourhood, for example. We liken it to, say, learning to drive a car, for example. When you first learn to drive a car, it's all very deliberate. You think a lot about it. However, when, when you learn more about how to drive a car, you're not even really thinking about it. And that's kind of the level that burglars are at when it comes to burglary. They won't even necessarily be processing 
consciously the some of the cues that they're picking up on, whereas householders don't necessarily have this level of expertise. So it's things like end of terrace houses, for example, or corner houses. They're often a lot more vulnerable because burglars see the extra exits, extra entrances, one less house on the side, so less potential to be seen by a neighbour. And I found from my research, householders didn't necessarily think about these things. I find that householders tend to really place a lot of stock in security. Burglars typically don't because they know there's always some kind of exploit, maybe an open window or an unlocked back door. A lot of householders put a lot of their security front facing. I guess it shows a nice protected house, but then their back door is a bit less protected. And that's often how burglars end up getting in. If your mental picture of a burglar is a clumsy amateur creeping around houses in the middle of the night, then you might be a little surprised. You do get this this understanding from a lot of people that burglars are maybe bunglers. They're not very good at what they do. They typically come at night, for example, which you know, some burglars do. All these myths kind of have a, a basis in truth, which is very important to understand uh, whenever you do any research. But yeah, that maybe burglars are quite lowly skilled, that they're just taking an opportunity to steal something whilst they see, you know, you know, they're walking past and they see an open window and things like that. The virtual burglary project as a whole that I'm part of seeks to understand how burglars operate, basically, the kind of reasons why they commit crimes, the behaviours they do when they're scouting a neighbourhood, when they're inside a house, what they do after a crime. And I think it's understanding that there's a bit more going on underneath than that. And and maybe householders, for example, might need to do a bit more to help protect their own homes. There's good and bad news here. The good news is that overall numbers of burglaries have been coming down over the last few decades. The bad news? The number started pretty high in the first place. But the shift in numbers suggests something is going on, although sadly, it's not shared equally across all members of society. There's a very popular hypothesis by a, a researcher, Graham Farrell, who has basically looked at this idea of a security hypothesis where basically as security is getting better, there's less chances for burglary. And it because it becomes more affordable, it means that you're not just limiting the best security measures and the best prevention methods to the highest earners. Anyone these days hopefully could be able to afford locks on their door and motion-activated lights and these kind of things because as security gets better, it also becomes cheaper, more widely available, and therefore we are seeing less burglary. Unfortunately, we are sometimes seeing burglary get pushed down now towards the lowest earners. You know, we're talking people that earn maybe like less than £7,000 a year and these kind of things, which is unfortunate because obviously these are the people that are already suffering quite a lot and then the burglaries are getting almost pushed on them but it does seem like as a whole burglaries are dropping which is quite nice there's the obvious crime prevention methods whether it's visibly putting an alarm on outside of a house or making sure you close all the windows before you go out but matthew and his colleagues have taken to the virtual world to protect our homes and businesses further professor claire knee in the department of psychology at the university of portsmouth laid some impressive foundations in this area some time ago. If you go back to the 80s and the early 90s, a lot of the studies were interviewing burglars or um, getting them to kind of recount, maybe looking at a picture and getting them to recount crimes. And you'd find that that's subject to memory distortions, maybe burglars not wanting to share information and whatnot. And you really couldn't watch a burglary as it was happening. So Claire devised this virtual reality method, along with some colleagues in the Netherlands, 
Claire will go into prisons and work with incarcerated burglars and get them to do the virtual burglary. And what we also find is that they enjoy talking whilst they do it. There's a lot of spontaneous verbalizations of like why they're doing certain behaviors, why they're choosing certain houses, what's attracting them to certain houses, what's deterring them. And what you end up with is a really rich data field that says, this is what burglars are doing. And, you know, to an extent, this is why they're doing it as well. So armed with lots of data and valuable opinions from ex-offenders, how do you turn that information into something that can be used in the real world? Interestingly, I'm recording this podcast in a room that's unlikely to be burgled. We have virtual neighbourhoods of houses, loads of different ones. Some of them are just one house and you can maybe afford to put a bit more detail into that house because you've got things like processing power and technological limitations that come into play. But sometimes it's just one house and you can have a really nice detailed house. And there was a study that Claire did where they had an unfamiliar room like a recording studio actually inside a virtual house and found that in terms of burglars preferring patterns, they really avoided that room. They really weren't comfortable going in that room because it was different to what they'd normally experience inside a house. So you've got that, you've got the ones that I worked with, for example, which are five houses and burglars and householders can explore around the neighbourhood, pull out some things that they might do or or not do, houses uh, that they might like to burgle, houses they might avoid, and then they can actually go inside them and burgle them at the same time. So there's been some work done by some of our colleagues, for example, looking at avatars and the effect that people can have on deterring burglary just by being present in their neighbourhoods. So it's a whole great big neighbourhood of just the outside of houses and they put in little virtual avatars that maybe intervene, maybe just watch and maybe just don't do any of that. Maybe they're just present in the neighbourhood and finding that even just by being present in the neighbourhood, burglars are likely to rate the houses like they're less likely to go and burgle them, basically. Time is of the essence for a burglar. To avoid detection, they'll likely focus on the rooms and items that offer the best reward. But the trade-off that happens is something that us homeowners can use to protect ourselves further. In terms of when the crime's in progress, it is very much this efficiency, this speed and effectiveness that they can complete the crimes, which, to give it a slightly more positive spin, is why our work in terms of teaching people to prevent burglaries is quite important, because what you tend to see a lot with experts, as, as you might see in general, and we're talking not just experts in terms of, like, say, traditional sense of someone that's really highly qualified, but what you'd call a functional expert, someone who has got enough skill that they can do things without really thinking about it. But what you find in those cases is if you introduce a new element, an unfamiliar element, it can really throw someone. You think about taxi drivers, there's some research done on this, where if you introduce a new route to a taxi driver, it can really throw their mental processes and the days pre-sat-nav when they all had to remember all the routes and everything. So I think the key good thing about our work is that yeah, we really are trying to introduce maybe householders putting some expensive items that they don't maybe touch that often into the bathroom where the burglars don't go. So that when they're looking for these really expensive jewellery items, these passports, they get into the bedroom and they just can't find them and they're spending more time in the bedroom and more chance of them being caught. It's early days for virtual reality in the world of crime prevention, but the team is already seeing results. Put on a VR computer headset, explore the crime scene using the technology, and you're more likely to get into the mind of a burglar. 
So they'd start out in the neighborhood and I'd point them to like other person. There's a person standing at the end of the street and I'd say things like, oh, a burglar would first look to see if there was anyone who could spot them doing the crime. As you can see, there's someone there. So burglars would typically then go around the back of the property. Now, if we can go around the back of the property and the homeowner would do it, and then we'd take them in through the house and I'd explain, oh, burglars normally start at the top and work their way down because then they can see if anyone's in. They would typically focus on the master bedroom. So let's go in the master bedroom and then they would go in the, say, study, for example, and then we'd go in the study. I'd show them where, like, say, the passport was and be like, oh, burglars prefer small, easy-to-conceal items. I did that in virtual reality. I did the same thing just on a computer, and then I gave them the script as it was written, but in text form. And yeah, I took out things like, now go here and whatnot, because it wouldn't make sense, but it was the same basic information presented in text form. We then got them to do a mock burglary in an environment, and we measured basically how well they were committing the burglary as a measure of how well they understood what we were teaching them. And we also measured their fear and how much they felt in control about protecting their own homes and these kind of things. And what we found was that people who were in the kind of VR training conditions, both of them, they were more likely to enter through the back of the house, which is what a burglar would do. They were more likely stole significantly more small, easy-to-conceal items, which is exactly what a burglar would do. And they stole fewer like large items like TVs, which again is exactly what a burglar would do. And then most importantly, they showed no significant increase in worry, whereas people in the text group after reading the text did worry more about burglary, which makes a bit of sense because you're essentially telling them these are all the things that burglars do. But in our one, they didn't have that, so that was quite nice. And my favourite finding, the people who did the virtual reality training felt more in control about their ability to prevent burglary afterwards compared to the people that just read a bit of text which yeah uh, logically makes sense in a way when you think about immersion and feeling like you're inside the environment it does give you a sense of control like you can impact the information that you're learning and as virtual reality technology develops for the home user matthew sees a point where any one of us could download an immersive guide on keeping our belongings safe using our own laptop or smartphone However, he thinks his research could be increasingly relevant in the university environment as well. I'm currently doing a study with the help of some students up at Royal Holloway University in Surrey and doing a study where we're comparing first-year students' kind of knowledge of burglary using these mock burglary simulations to third-year students to see whether maybe we should target first-year students when they're coming in or maybe we need to target third-year students when they're about to leave university and these kind of things. So it's a developing area, but you do have some research to suggest that students might be more vulnerable than the general population, uh, not necessarily through any fault of their own or anything, but more just because you have a lot of technologically advanced you know, laptops and, and phones and things like this. Often uh, you think halls might have eight people in them or a shared house. I lived with six people in an undergrad and we all had laptops and we all had phones and you think that makes for a very lucrative target for a burglar potentially. Where does the technology go next? Well, like many areas of study, virtual reality is just the starting point with artificial intelligence moving crime prevention to the next stage. Although that's where the big money needs to come in. I think the next stage is that virtual reality is going to become hopefully more prevalent and more and cheaper and more ingrained. You talk about like people's ability and literacy to understand it. That's a big barrier to training in general is, is how much people can understand either what you're telling them or what they're using. And in this case, can you understand using virtual reality technologies? Hopefully that'll improve. And I think it's only going to benefit our research 
at the moment, the smarter you can make, say, avatars in a virtual environment. And bearing in mind, we're talking about, I guess, price here, because if you look at like video games, for example, they're already really smart and really intelligent. The AI in those, that is already really good, but we can't afford video game levels of production. But as AI develops, again, like anything, it becomes cheaper. And then hopefully, especially when it comes to populating the neighborhoods and making it a bit more realistic, a bit more immersive, you're likely to get more accurate behaviors and more accurate responses. And that's always beneficial. Experience and instinct might well be the key to a burglar's actions. And it's Matthew's work in the virtual world that is already helping potential victims of crime make changes to protect their home and family. And as we've heard, really getting inside the thought processes of a criminal means not only can we preempt crime by closing the windows where we pop to the shops, for example, but we can also minimise the impact of any crime by understanding a burglar's preferred route around a house and where they're most likely to be looking for items of value. Virtual reality means that those of us without any criminal intent can visualise the processes of those who do and protect our possessions effectively. Thanks for joining us for Life Solved. If you want to find out more about research at the University of Portsmouth, go to our website. You can also get news on the latest developments here at the university direct to your inbox. Just subscribe at port.ac.uk forward slash solve. We'll be back next Thursday with another story of how work that's happening here is changing all our lives for good. Catch you then.